All right, well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Why don't we pray and get into our book uh, study in the book of James? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you uh, for just providing um, with the word of God that we can come together as a church, as, a, as the body of Christ, where we can uh, just learn about you and, and grow in love. Uh, we do pray, Lord, that you will uh, help us uh, in this passage this morning. Uh, we pray even now for wisdom. Um, help us to uh, trust you and obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start off with a question. What do you pray for uh, when you're praying for others, right? Many times we're praying for their health, right? Their family, their job, their schooling. But what about their spiritual walk with Christ? Uh, Paul, I like his example of when he prays. You could see it in Ephesians. You could see it in Philippians, right? In Philippians 1.9, this is what he prays uh, for the church in Philippi. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. All right, so he's praying that they will grow in love, that they'll grow in wisdom. Why? So that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Uh, he wants them to be growing in maturity. He wants them to uh, you know, be complete, right? We see that in James, being perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then it says, to the glory and praise of God, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. And so um, I really just want us to start off with this thought, you know, am I growing in Christ-likeness, right? Uh, Paul right there is talking about the fruit of righteousness. We're going to see a little bit about that in our section. Um, And so have you been praying to grow in the faith? You know, many times believers can become stagnant. They're content with being saved. Well, I'm going to heaven, so great, right? But they don't want to be sanctified. They don't want to grow in Christ-likeness. Why? Because it often hurts, right? God is going to chisel you away to make you more into the image of Christ. And so saying no to the flesh is not easy, but that's what we sign up for. And the only way we're going to be able to grow in our walk is if we have heavenly wisdom. And so we need that wisdom that comes from above the wisdom only God can give. Last week we spoke about earthly wisdom, and James challenged us to think about what true wisdom and understanding looks like, right? He told us that if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, you do not have heavenly wisdom. Rather, you have this counterfeit wisdom. You have this wisdom that's earthly, natural, demonic. And we know the conclusion of that wisdom was that it... Um, it has disorder or wickedness um, once you fall into that type of wisdom. So today we're going to observe heavenly wisdom, the type we ought to ask for God daily. And so we're going to look into a couple of verses here. So if you have your Bibles, James chapter 3. James chapter 3, we're going to be in verse 17 and 18 today. All right, here we go. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And so in this verse, we observe characteristics of real wisdom. We already know from last week that humility, meekness, right, that gentleness of wisdom, they go hand in hand. 
In this verse, we see that James is emphasizing right from the beginning that this wisdom is from above. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so unlike earthly wisdom, this heavenly wisdom is from God, right? This is the wisdom we're called to pray for in James chapter 1, verse 5. You know, if you're lacking in, in something, you ought to pray to God for wisdom who gives generously to all without reproach. And so God can bless us with this type of wisdom, and we need to ask him daily if we're going to grow in the faith. And so we're going to see uh, these characteristics right now of heavenly wisdom. We'll break them up into four groups. The first one is the first characteristic of wisdom. James wants us to observe that true wisdom, heavenly wisdom, is pure. This is the most important quality of wisdom, right? Without it, you can't truly be wise. It brings us back to the main idea when James told us in James chapter 1, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion is to care for the orphan and widow and to be unstained from the world. And so true wisdom is pure. In other words, ethical blamelessness, this is wisdom that is free from any stain or blemish and incapable of producing anything evil. Purity means that one is free of moral and spiritual defects that are the marks of the doubled-minded, right? So is this person who's, who's unmixed with anything worldly or demonic. They have a, a true allegiance. They have a loyalty to God alone. Um, last week, we talked about the false convert, right? And an easy way to spot that a person's a false convert is if they're acting in a worldly manner, right? Maybe they're staying up all late and partying with no care. They're just running towards sin. They enjoy the world's pleasures. And, and so a true convert, though, in contrast, is one that is committed to God. And so we see the difference here of earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. One is self-serving, self-seeking, and the other is willing to serve and love others. It is a wisdom that thinks of others first. I want you to see this in Philippians 2. Go to Philippians 2. I believe Paul has a similar idea here in Philippians 2 of just how a person is to be like Christ. And if you have a heavenly wisdom, you're going to display this type of attitude. Look at Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4 here. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And so we see here, uh, how important it is, if you have this true heavenly wisdom, that you're going to see other people better than yourselves. It's so easy to think that I'm the most important person in the room. But we have to remember the mindset, mindset of Christ was, wait, 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 I need to go and serve the disciples, right? He washes the feet of the disciples, one great example. Um, but even today, when we walk in a room, you know, we call ourselves Christians, we ought to say, hey, how can I serve the body of Christ today? Some more qualities uh, in heavenly wisdom. I have a couple here full of joy, valuable. It comes from God. Uh, so I'm just going to go through a couple scriptures here. Uh, I just want you to see this one. Go to Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, verses 10 to 12. Now the Proverbs are filled with Proverbs that are giving us a lot of wisdom. And so Proverbs 2, 10 to 12 
talks about wisdom here. And I want you to notice here, just the person that's wise has this joy. So look at verses 10 to 12. It says, For wisdom will enter your heart, and the knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of the evil and from the man who speaks perverse things. And so we observe here that uh, the person with wisdom will have joy, right? It's pleasant to the soul. They will avoid evil ways. I mean, if you're avoiding uh, evil things, you're obviously going to be um, enjoying good things. You're going to be blessed. And then if you continue throughout the Proverbs, uh, you see in chapter 19, verse 8, it mentions that those who are wise, they will find good, right? You can see that in that verse. Also, Proverbs 29, verse 3, tells us that we will bring joy to others if we're wise, right? Uh, it's talking about the father, um, and, you know, maybe you grew up with, with um, a father or mother, and you brought great joy to them because you made wise decisions in your life. You lived a godly life. It brings great joy to others when they see their children obeying God. Uh, but on the contrast, if you're not, you know, it, it just destroys the person's soul. Um, and so wisdom brings us joy, and it brings others great joy. Uh, but we need to also observe the value of wisdom. Um, and so let me ask you this. What are some things that people value in life today? What are some of the big things that people value? Money, yeah, we see that. A lot of Solomon talks a lot about in the Proverbs with money and the dangers of falling into that trap. Family, Family yeah, and, and that's not a wrong thing to value, but sometimes people idolize it and that's all they think about their family. Fame, Fame yeah, having this popularity, status, look at me, um, and everyone's talking about you on Twitter, or X now. Health, Health yes, yes, that, that's a big one, right? Um, people are going to the doctor every other week, make sure everything's fine, um, they're eating right, which is good, don't get me wrong, it's good to eat right, but it's just, it can become an idol where it's just all about health. Appearance, yeah, you know, you got to cut your hair every week. That's like 40 bucks right there. You got um, you got to make sure, you know, you fit in certain clothes because then you don't look good if you don't. Yeah, health is, uh, and, and your appearance. Women, I don't know how much money they spend on their hair, but. Power. Power? Okay, yeah. I mean, if you're in control, and let's say you're a principal at a school, and you call the shots, and you can close down a club if you want, man. Yeah, people can do a lot of crazy things. So value is very important, um, but wisdom is way more valuable than all these different things, right? Uh, Many times in our society, we think the nice car or the home demonstrates that we made it. But the book of Proverbs states over and over again that those with wisdom have really won the jackpot, right? Proverbs 8.11 tells us that wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Maybe you have an expensive engagement ring or a 401k retirement fund, right, with a very large number, half a million, maybe a million, I don't know. Nope, it doesn't compare to wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16 also tells us that wisdom is better than gold and silver. And so maybe you have a lot of money in the stock market or in your savings account, but no, it doesn't compare to the value of wisdom. We learn from 2 Timothy 3.15, that the word of God gave Timothy uh, wisdom uh, to be saved. And so rather than investing so much time and making so much money, I would argue 
that we invest more time in the Word of God since wisdom is better than money. And so what's more valuable, eternal life or life on this earth? Uh, We know uh, the answer is eternal life, and we need to invest in it more. Judas, he's a prime example of of a fool. He traded in Jesus for an amount of money, and and Jesus is priceless. And, And imagine just that betraying Jesus for an amount of money. And so may we not do that to our precious Savior. May we focus our attention on the Word. All right, so we're talking about different characteristics of wisdom. We already said one uh, with it being pure. Next one here is in a group of three, right? It's, it's after pure. It's, it's peaceable, gentle, and reasonable. And so true wisdom has peace. It is free of a quarrelsome attitude. Uh, we see that in 2 Timothy 2.14. We're not called to have a quarrelsome attitude. We're called to have love for one another. Um, and so this connects with what James said earlier uh, when, when he gives warning to uh, people who aspire to be teachers. Right? He says, uh, you're going to have a stricter judgment. We all stumble in many ways. And so one of those ways could be being quarrelsome. Um, we see that in some qualifications in Titus and, and 1 Timothy 3. And so... Uh, we see that heavenly wisdom here is the opposite of earthly wisdom, which is full of strife, right? They're ready to fight, quarrel, uh, conflict. And those with that demonic wisdom, uh, they are those that don't want to work together. They don't want to be part of the team. They want to be solos. And so those with heavenly wisdom, though, they know that their leader is the Lord Jesus, and they take his example of peace. And so why don't you give me some examples in the Bible or in church history of those who promoted peace, uh, give me some examples, maybe even of Jesus, of how he promoted peace. When they came to arrest him, he, and Peter wanted to lash out, and he said, no, I can bring the legion of angels, and hmm. it wasn't about that. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my examples here. He, instead, he said, stop, and he, and he healed the person's ear, right? That's definitely promoting peace, and those who want to live by the sword shall die by the sword. Uh, anyone else, example of someone promoting peace? In the Bible or church history, Jesus, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, good. Old Testament example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Nice, nice. Anyone else? Yeah. Strangely uh, enough, David, mm-hmm. he was a warrior, but there were times that he could, he could have killed Saul, and he didn't do it. Mm. He was a warrior when God called him to be. But Good example. Times, he knew of doing that, it wasn't, you know, it would have caused a lot of mm-hmm. strife within. Oh, yeah. How can I kill the anointed one, right? He was trusting God through that process of trials, and they were going after him. Yeah. And you see the contrast of that. Saul, King Saul, was not promoting peace, uh, but promoting war. Uh, one example I have here is uh, in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56, we see James and John, not this James, uh, the other um, disciple. And they were ready to say, should we pray for fire to come down because the Samaritans were not welcoming Jesus? And, and Jesus said, no, 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 <laughs> you know, this is not the, the right spirit here um, that you should be having. Um, and so Jesus was always promoting peace, and so we need to follow that example. Um, so we talked about uh, peaceable, but also heavenly wisdom 
is gentle or considerate, right? This quality describes the kind of person who, though wrong and possessing the right, not to bend, nevertheless forgo, uh, forgoes his right. So think of Joseph, right? He had every right to let his um, brother starve to death for selling him into slavery and all that and going through all those trials, but instead he's, he's willing to forgive him, uh, forgive all of their, uh, his brothers. Also, instead of boasting um, in an argument, maybe you've been in an argument with your wife or, or a friend recently, and you were right in the argument. I mean, they were dead wrong. Uh, but instead of boasting and trying to get them to understand that look at you and how wrong you are, you, you say, all right, you know what, I love you. Let me chill out here. Uh, regardless if I'm right, I'm going to love uh, my spouse and realize that I've been wrong plenty of other times, and so I need to extend grace rather than anger. And so my next question here is, how else can we be considerate to a friend or spouse? Um, what are ways we can be gentle or considerate to um, someone who's wronged us, maybe. Think about it. Maybe you've been in an argument recently with someone. Yeah. 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 Rather than lashing out, getting angry, you can give a soft word. Good, good. I have here uh, patience, right? Um, Maybe your spouse or your friend, they did the same thing again. And it's, you did this last week. You know, you didn't throw out the trash again. What's going on here? <laughs> it, 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 let's be honest. Uh, we need to be patient with one another. Um, you know, we need to love on each other, extend grace. All right, the next one here is true wisdom is also reasonable or open to reason. They can be corrected when they are wrong, right? They're not defensive uh, it can also be translated yielding, right? You guys know yielding when you see that sign and you're driving in a car and, oh, I got to yield here. Um, and if you don't yield, be careful, right? You're going to get hit. Um, so this person is someone who's willing to listen and obey others, right? We, we listen to the law, you know, we yield when we have to, but here it's talking about how we interact with others, right? We're willing to uh, submit uh, when we need to submit and rather than having a selfish ambition uh, and so you need to ask yourself, am I submissive, willing to serve, or am I selfish and stubborn? I like Ephesians 5.21. We're called to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And so are you willing to do something someone else tells you to do, or does it have to be your way on your terms only, right? When I was younger, um, I hated to cut the grass and shovel the snow, raking the leaves, um, but then when I got saved, these were things that I started finding joy because it was a way to serve my parents and obviously obey the Lord. And so maybe you can relate. When you got saved, um, you, you just wanted to start to serve others. All right, so let's continue here. Uh, oh, well, just one observation. Uh, there's alliteration in the Greek here, um, the epsilons, right? So uh, they all start with what it looks like it's uh, an E um, in our alphabet, but it's an epsilon, epsilon, epsilon. So uh, even though it's peaceable, gentle, reasonable, just imagine they all start with E's here. And so I believe James is helping us to memorize this list. Um, and we ought to aim to memorize scripture. And so maybe that could be one of your uh, homework assignments to, to memorize this list, right, of heavenly wisdom. So let's continue here. Uh, the next characteristic of wisdom is found in a pair, right? Right after that group of three, of, you know, um, 
uh, being gentle, reasonable. We're here we're going to find uh, a pair of full of mercy and good fruits. And so those who partake of God's true wisdom from above will bear good fruits because they have been brought forth as first fruits, according to James 1.18, right? And so uh, those who are part of this new creation will bear uh, good fruits. And so just a reminder, uh, God doesn't just save us to save us. Um, he, he saved us to, so we can grow in holiness, right? To be set apart, um, to tell others of the gospel. And so we will bear good fruits. And, you know, what are those good fruits? Uh, I, I kind of like um, what some commentators refer to here with the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you're a Christian, you're going to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you see there's a parallel there with our list as well in heavenly wisdom. Uh, these are just, uh, it, it's, it's a natural thing that's going to happen to you if you become a believer. The Spirit of God is just going to change you and make you more um, into the image of Christ. But a false convert, they're not going to, um, obviously, display uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Also, uh, full of mercy, right? A person with heavenly wisdom is willing to forgive, right? They're full of mercy like their Father. Um, God, who is rich in mercy, um, we should also be like Him, reflecting that mercy as His adopted children. This again alludes to the Sermon on the Mount with uh, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, So just one example here. If someone comes to a true convert who has this heavenly wisdom and they want to start a fight with them, the person with heavenly wisdom will not engage, but rather maybe ask the person, hey, is there something I've done to offend you? Right? Maybe I said something in a mean way. Uh, maybe rather than defending myself, I'm going to say, okay, maybe I'm wrong here. Um, I could be the problem. And so uh, that, that's one side of it. But what if I really didn't do anything wrong and the person's trying to take advantage of me? I still should be willing uh, to forgive them when we have that conversation and say, hey, you need to realize you're wrong in the matter. Um, and so we recognize the other person's neediness and helplessness, right? We see that they are someone who needs God um, if they're not a believer. And, and if they are a believer, we're willing to extend forgiveness, right? Seven times 70. Um, just, has, just how God has forgiven us, right? Ephesians 4.32, we have that spirit of forgiveness. Also talking about mercy here, uh, James chapter 2, verse 13, what does he say? Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so God delights in showing mercy, and so should we, right? That's what a true uh, person of wisdom looks like. They're willing to extend mercy. Now, mercy is more than just a feeling of pity. It is an attitude of compassion toward those in distress that leads to practical help, right? Mercy prefers to deal with the needy in terms of what is needed rather than what is deserved. And so just a reminder, it's not a face we wear. It's something that comes from the heart. We're willing to show mercy to people rather than judging them in a hypocritical manner. All right, we've got to continue here with the two last characteristics here. Now, it says unwavering, uh, and it's, you know, I think better translated without prejudice, right? Um, or uh, impartial. And so again, another example here of alliteration in the Greek, uh, it's alpha and alpha. Um, so not the epsilons, but another group here um, that I think he's trying to help us to memorize. And so uh, we see here the theme of true faith. Are we hypocrites 
or people who are sincere in faith. Now, impartial, um, it has non-judgmental in mind, but this is not that LGBTQ, don't judge my sin status, right? This is talking about hypocritical judgment, like the Pharisees. Uh, they act like they're better when they have all these external rituals and they look clean on the surface, but they're really sin- sinning in their heart, all right? Uh, but the main idea uh, that we see here of the word unwavering is what we saw in James chapter 2 with the spokesperson in the church. Remember, they were sinning by favoring the rich over the poor, right? They were, being, um, they were showing the sin of partiality. And so James, he will again uh, handle this issue of hypocritical judgment in James chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. So we'll get to that um, in a couple of weeks. Now, the other word, uh, without hypocrisy, or, or you can translate it uh, genuine, right? Uh, there, it's talking about not being double-minded. Uh, people with this wisdom do not doubt God. There is, no, there is no uncertainty in their faith, right? They trust God no matter what. Um, and so they know that they're going to be growing in this wisdom uh, that has full assurance of God that he will answer their prayers. And so maybe ask yourself this. How are you asking God for wisdom? Is it in faith or is it without faith? Because we know in James 1, those who do not act in faith, it will not be given to them. And uh, we see that, uh, that wisdom is, is so crucial, so important for us to be asking God daily. And we need to do it the right way. All right. Any questions or comments about the characteristics of wisdom? I know it was just one verse, but there's plenty there to unpack. Yeah, you have a comment? Oh, yeah. I mean, trust me, um, there's no better feeling than when you're following God and obeying Him. Um, there's this true joy in just walking step by step with the Spirit um, than there is when you're either falling into temptation or, I mean, think of David when he fell into sin. He was not in a good place. He was crying out to the Lord, restore the joy of my salvation, right? Good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, in Galatians, it's fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's plural. Um, uh, it's singular, my bad. But uh, it has the idea of the manifestations of all of what the Spirit um, brings about in the believer, um, which is, you know, those nine different qualities. Um, the difference uh, here with good fruits is just talking about um, multiple plural good works. So I, as a Christian, I don't just do one good thing for God. I do multiple things for God. Over there with the fruit of the Spirit, it's just talking about um, it's really just one uh, person, the third person of the Trinity, that is making all of these nine different qualities uh, have an effect in my life. So I'm going to be full of love, joy, peace. But... Yes, it's, it's because of the one singular person 
of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. But yeah, that's a good question. Anyone else? All right, let's continue here with some applications. Uh, so from this verse, I mean, we could ask ourselves, are we living in purity? Uh, so important. Uh, we know that that's the first characteristic. Without it, you cannot be truly wise. And so can you be caring to others um, if you don't have true wisdom? Uh, no, I mean, we know that uh, there are people that supposedly, like the religious Pharisees, they, they're able to play the part, put on a mask, but they're not truly unstained from the world. And so they're not really those with heavenly wisdom. Purity is more than what we watch when no one's looking, right? It has to do with the hearts. Um, and so are you committed to Christ 24-7? Are you willing to lay down your life um, for the advancement of the gospel? And do you seek to grow in holiness? Uh, the next application here is, are you willing to forgive those who offend you? Uh, if you've been forgiven by Christ, you're going to be willing to forgive others. Just remember the debt that was paid, an infinite amount that Christ took on uh, for you. And so when people sin against you, remember they sinned against God first, right? They need to be reconciled with God before you guys can be on speaking terms again. All right, let's continue here to the next verse of James chapter 3, verse 18. James chapter 3, verse 18. Um, let's see here. All right. It says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so we see here the conclusion of true wisdom, right? Last week we spoke about the conclusion or the result of false wisdom, and that was disorder, wickedness. Here, it's peace and righteousness. Uh, so wisdom is the fruit of righteousness, and her presence is known by peace. Why? Because peacemakers possess her, right? And so this fruit reaped by the planting of wisdom is a bountiful crop of righteousness, right? This, so there's some debate here with some commentators of how it's translated, um, but the main idea, I think the NIV has it the best, the main idea is that um, because of wisdom, it, it gives birth to righteousness, right? You're going to be uh, living rightly for God when you have this wisdom. Uh, I don't know who, you're, uh, who likes gardening here, um, and so maybe you observe uh, some of the trees that you planted a couple years ago or whenever uh, had, had some fruit this year, right? Uh, maybe you got some apples, I don't know. But as a Christian, we need to remember we're like an apple tree, right? We're going to bear fruit. We're going to bear these righteous works. And so we already saw some great examples from the book of James of two believers that uh, bore fruit for Christ, and that was Abraham and Rahab. Uh, but we see that there's also a present and future reality of bearing fruits. Uh, today, I'm sure you can name a bunch of believers that are bearing fruit. Um, and I'm sure that uh, you can think of, of people that have bore fruit in the past that obviously aren't living today. Uh, but what about the future? Go to James chapter 118. I want you to notice something here. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but James chapter 118 we see here in the exercise of, of Father's will, right, God's will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of firstfruits among His creatures. And so what is that talking about? Um, we spoke about it a little bit before, um, but it brings to mind the perseverance of the saints because we see that God 
uh, brought us forth, right, by the word of truth. So we're going to see some regeneration there. Um, and then we're going to also see uh, conversion uh, to be a kind of first fruits among his creatures, right? Uh, so we ought to be people uh, that bear fruit. And, and God has already uh, prepared the soil, right? He, he has the crop ready. He, he's working in us. Uh, he's transforming us, making us into the image of Christ until the return of Christ. And so believers will bear fruit until he returns. And also another point here in James chapter 1, verse 18, is that it's because of God that we can be righteous. It's because of God that we bear fruit. Um, and so he did the electing, the regenerating, converting, and he's going to complete the work he started. Um, it shows that at the end of the age, with all this fruit that the Christian bears, that they really were authentic in their faith. All right? And so uh, we need to remember that it's because of the righteousness that God gives us that we will enter uh, his kingdom. All right, let's continue here with the plea of wisdom. I, I, I kind of like this here at the ending. Uh, a great conclusion. Uh, some people think this is like a proverb that James kind of just inserted here. But I really think it, it you know, fits the passage uh, great with the contrast of earthly wisdom and the result there. And now we're going to see heavenly wisdom and the result uh, here. And we see here that it's uh, about those that make peace. And so uh, if, you, if you read the ending of James chapter 3, verse 18, it says, It's sown in peace by those who make peace. And so one of these fruits uh, that we've been talking about is of peace, right? It's a sign of a new creature. And the sense here is to emphasize just how just and righteous deeds are to be done. They ought to be done in peace. And, and I like this because it answers the first question we had in James chapter 3, verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Well, it's those that make peace, right? James essentially answers the question here. Um, and it also recalls the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And so maybe ask yourself this. Have you ever stopped a fight? Maybe at a family party, some people are getting upset at each other. You maybe stopped that fight. Okay, but what about offering the solution to their anger and discontentment? They need the gospel of peace. And only Jesus can reconcile us from our biggest problem, right? We have sinned against a holy God, and we need peace with him. And so once we have peace with God, we can begin telling others how they can have peace with God and and their family members or whoever they're interacting with. And so lastly, just an illustration here, just picture peace as the soil. And those who make peace are gardeners, right? You're going to get dirty, but the result will be beautiful and productive. We know James, right, uh, Camel Knees, he was a good example of this. If you read in Acts 15, 13, and uh, Acts 21, 18, with the Gentiles and the Jews, he was always laboring to keep the opposed causes together in Christ. Um, and so let me ask you this one last question before applications. Um, are we a good example of what a peacemaker looks like? Right? Are you a person that is always willing to make peace with others? Um, that is very important. And, and also, it really, like I said, helps us with the conclusion of, of James chapter 3 here in this chapter because the whole chapter is talking about uh, fighting, arguing, disturbing the peace and unity. Remember with the tongue and, and people that are, are disobeying God by being hypocritical, by cursing man and blessing God. And so here uh, the conclusion is 
that we ought to have wisdom, and that looks like peace, not disorder. Um, so we see here the main point of the chapter. God desires us to live in peace, all right? What does that look like? It doesn't look like the Middle East right now, um, but rather it, it looks like what heaven's going to look like, where there's no more fighting, no more war. Um, there's just love for one another. All right, one last observation from this verse is the farming image. It contrasts strongly with the earlier images of fire and stability and chaos. But I don't want you to get this image twisted, right? People who promote peace are not those that avoid problems and uncomfortable issues. Heavenly wisdom will not compromise with sin to maintain peace. It will fight sin. It will hunger for peace and yearn to heal all divisions. And so peace is the ultimate goal of wisdom, and wisdom only flourishes in the midst of peace. In other words, righteousness cannot be produced in the context of human anger, but it can grow in the atmosphere of peace. And so when we open our mouths, we need to ask ourselves, are we promoting peace or disorder? And so wisdom pleads with us to go the harder route, promote peace. All right. Uh, We don't have too much time here, so we're just going to jump into applications. Uh, The first one, what type of fruit does your wisdom bear? What is the conclusion of the wisdom you have? What is the result of the type of wisdom you have? And it answers if you're a true or false convert, right? If your life is filled with righteousness, that is evidence that you have been saved, you have heavenly wisdom. But if your life is filled with wickedness and sinning against the Lord, then clearly something's not adding up, right? You can't have heavenly wisdom if you have earthly wisdom. You can't be half believer, half unbeliever. Um, You're either following Christ or yourself. The last application is, do you promote peace? There are people that like the drama and conflict. Uh, They would rather have disorder if it means they get their way. But we should be people that strive for unity, Um, those that encourage and build one another up and not break each other apart. And we know that Christ, if you read the book of Galatians, uh, we're called to bear one another's burdens, right? Uh, to, do good, all, to do all good things to those and especially those in the faith. And so uh, we need to uh, work hard at that. In conclusion, we spoke about the characteristics of heavenly wisdom, right? May we aim to memorize this list like the one in Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and so if you remember them already, hopefully you do. Uh, first, it starts with pure Um, right? Purity. And then peaceable, gentle, reasonable. The next two are full of mercy, good fruit, and lastly, unwavering or without prejudice, without hypocrisy. We also learned the conclusion of Christ-like wisdom. It's not disorder, but rather peace. It's not wickedness. It is righteousness. And so do we have this heavenly wisdom? We should, and if we aren't seeing it much in our lives, we need to remember to ask God daily for this wisdom. Next week, we begin chapter 4, and we're going to see what are the issues that people with earthly wisdom face. We will discuss how wisdom calls them to pray correctly.